means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 29, Career Advice. Jen is back with us. Hey guys, this is one of my favorite chapters. Is it really? Yes. I can't wait to hear why, but what we have in the chapter is basically career advice, stunningly. Uh, We get a career advice meeting that has a surprise guest involved in that meeting, which creates some fireworks. Uh, The twins have a moment, not firework related, but they have another uh, surprise in store for our new headmistress. And we get one of the dumbest things that I think could have possibly occurred, which will kick off a whole Dan rant. Can't wait. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we might get a little piece of the rant here very early on in this chapter, because Harry is talking to Ginny. He wants to speak with Sirius... After, you know, the memory of, if you remember our last chapter, Jen and I were talking at length about the James versus Snape of it all, and how unfortunate of a scene that was for James and Sirius. Yes. Uh, Not their best moment. Not their best moment. And, you know, Harry's telling uh, Ginny that, man, I just want to speak with Sirius. Because that that memory that he's witnessed is just weighing him down and really causing him some distress. And Ginny's like... Oh, we'll find a way to talk to Sirius. We'll find a way. You know which way they should go with? Which way, Dan? Jen, uh, do you remember at the end of the Christmas holiday, in this very book, (laughs) not three books ago, not two books ago, this book, like a couple of months ago, he gets a package from Sirius. And what does Sirius say about it? If you need to communicate with me, use this. And Harry just immediately dismisses it as well I don't want to get serious caught I don't want to lure him out so I'll never use this <laughs> Jen <laughs> this is the moment to use that package this is the moment and nope just not a thought not a thought that's okay that's okay Jen we're gonna go on to the career advice part of this okay we're gonna go on we're gonna just forget about that like Harry forgot <laughs> about the package we're gonna go on to career advice don't you worry, I got more on that coming up. Don't you worry. People. Dan is not feeling passionate about this at all. Uh, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, so we get career advice. What career advice is? It's a meeting with the head of house to discuss future career possibilities. We learn a little bit about some of the requirements of certain things. And I'll start off with what Ron is reading about healing. He goes, uh, healing, or to be a healer, it requires an E, exceeding expectations, in newt level potions, herbology, transfiguration, charms, and defense against the dark arts. So when we went to St. Mungo's, we kind of had that discussion about, like, to be a healer, you have to be on your game. Yeah. Because there is so much that can happen. And I get that there are different floors to St. Mungo's, so maybe you, like, really dive into herbology if you're working on one floor, or you really dive into defense against the dark arts. It probably has specialty just, like... You know, the real world has, like, orthopedics and and oncologists. But here, it's definitely telling you that you at least have to be very, very good in that set of disciplines. Makes sense. You need a a background, and then you probably build a a base. And Ron is like, wow, they're they're asking kind of a lot. (laughs) That's that's a lot. And and Hermione (laughs) comes back with, well, it could always go into muggle relations. All that requires is an OWL in muggle studies. You just have to pass. Yeah. You just have to pass they don't care. the OWL in Muggle Studies. They'll take anyone. Wow. Okay. You just have to be passionate. Is, is, that, is that just a comment on what the wizarding world thinks of Muggles? Like, you don't really need a whole lot of education for that. You could just literally, like... I feel like between that and how it feels like Ron's dad is often looked down at at the ministry, very telling that they think Muggles are beneath them. I... I I think that's more of an indictment on the wizarding world as a whole. Absolutely. Then, yeah. Uh, now, honestly, Jen, I could see where Bill got lured into this profession. 
Gringotts Curse Breaking. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Well, parts of it sound amazing. Travel, adventure, Those are the parts. danger. The danger, I'm not sold on. You the Arithmancy, I'm there. You know what? After reading that that could be like a Gringotts Curse Breaker type thing, I'm more on board for Arithmancy. Because I think that class has its merits now. Have you not been on board for I, no, not really. It never really, really, like, it never really, well, okay, I know why you are. That's fair. It was always, even when I was a kid and I would read it, I was like, I want to know more about this class. <laughs> it's, uh, like, okay, okay, that's fine. But now I'm more on board with it, now that I know it's part of this specific. I would imagine that it's basically that arithmancy's like, or arithmancy is, um, has to be, like, analogous to, like, crypto- cryptography. I would imagine it's a little... Because there's also an ancient runes class, too, right? That's true. So I'd imagine it's a little bit of that and a little bit of math. Which, math yeah, I'm, math is your thing, math not is my thing. so my thing. I'm a huge math nerd. I don't know if that's come up on the podcast before. <laughs> She's very mathletic, folks. Um, so I don't know that if it's more math-related, I'm like, eh, I don't know that that's part of my deal. But uh, the travel, adventure, and danger? Yeah, sign me up for that. I'm down. You're down for the danger? Yeah. Have you never watched Indiana Jones? Oh, my God. oh man, I'd be all over that. Come on. <laughs> so that's, that's your first little taste of what the career advice is. You can't spell Indiana Jones without Dan. So we go on <laughs> to Fred and George causing some uh, disruptions during the leisure time of the Easter holidays. Which I just think is a really nice gesture on their part. That was very nice of them, and they even very thoughtful. They even acknowledged that they did it um, to help Hermione in her studies, and yeah. she looks appalled. Yeah, it's it's a really nice gesture on them to acknowledge that hey, everything's cool. We're on break. No need to really yeah. throw chaos in the air. But oh, you just <laughs> wait. Uh, we got something in store coming up, and, and then we get to Dan Rant Part Two. Here <laughs> <laughs> he says. And I quote, he'd been thinking of how to pull off this whole idea of communicating with Sirius. For how long, Jen? How long? A fortnight. A fortnight. <laughs> A fortnight he has been dwelling on how he can communicate with Sirius. Not one time does he think about the package that Sirius gave him for expressly that purpose. Not one time. That also, means he, that also means he hasn't gone through his trunk in that long, either. Apparently. This is this is egregious. And I know we get flack sometimes by people listening to this podcast saying we're too harsh on Harry. I'm sorry. Comment <laughs> with how we're supposed to take this. Because this is egregious. Between his decision to put his head in Snape's pensive last chapter. Yes. And his inability to remember Sirius's knife in, or Sirius's mirror in this chapter, feel like he's not paying attention. Oh, well, you you just you just mentioned something. I did. You just mentioned something. You mentioned that he might not be thinking of the thing that he received mere months ago. But he sure remembers <laughs> the knife Sirius got him. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> How do you remember that to open a lock? Oh, my goodness. This bothers me. He remembers the more dangerous. Look, this plan is essentially, let's break into Umbridge's office and use the flu network because she told me that that was the one fireplace that's not being watched. So we're going to break into her office using Sirius's knife that he gave me, which opens any lock depending on what charm is placed on the door. And we're going to try to communicate with Sirius that way. Jen, this seems like a really, really big risk that you're running just to confirm that your dad wasn't a jerk. Yes. Why are you taking this risk? Because Harry, in this book, has lost the plot. He's, he's lost any of his common... I don't know how much common sense he had, but he's, he's got negative amounts of common sense. You mentioned the pensive in the last chapter. Yes. That's a risk. And that's a risk... This whole book is a risk. <laughs> you and I both 
said in the last chapter that that's a risk that we're not taking no. just looking into the Snape's pensive. This feels worse to me. A hundred times worse. So much worse. <laughs> so many things could go wrong at so many different points in this that you have to be perfect in order to get this to work. This is... And, and, and it's not for something where you're like alerting the order that something's gone wrong or she's preventing you from doing something or she's punishing, you know, she's, I don't know, locking children in covers. I don't know what, right? Like this isn't any, it's to say, oh, hey, so one incident that I saw, can you just tell me that my dad's not a jerk? Yeah. Yeah. And for those that are fervent Harry defenders and think we're being too harsh on Harry, well, look towards Hermione. You're probably thinking we're sounding a lot like Hermione, because Hermione spends the vast majority of this chapter really just annoying the heck out of Harry about, like, you shouldn't do this. This is not a good idea. This is really, really bad. So much so that her repeated warning sounded so much like a hiss, Seamus checked his cauldron for five minutes looking for leaks. I love that. I love that detail. That's perfect. Also, Hermione is my spirit animal in this chapter because I all I too also have a really hard time, like, not trying to like help someone. When and, you like, see someone is someone, running is towards an, an uh, oncoming yes. train, you're yes. trying to remove them from that track. From Absolutely. The track. So, like, I understand the compulsion of just being like, I need you to hear me because you're not thinking. Yeah, I get it. I'm not even done with this rant yet. We're, we're coming back later. Oh, I love we're, that. We're coming back. But this is, I just want to state for the record on this podcast that is recorded, that will be on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast for all time until they decide to take it down. This is dumb. <laughs> like, this is a really stupid decision on an epic level. <laughs> Moving on. So he's worried about class with Snape. He's worried about just potions class because of what Snape's going to say or do yep. from the events of the last chapter. It's his first time seeing Snape since he it's a, yep. saw his memory. And stunningly, he's just left alone. Snape doesn't do anything. And Snape's out over his shoulder. He's not paying attention to him, not commenting on him. And this time left alone, actually, Harry discovers, oh, wait, when I cannot do this with someone over my shoulder, I can actually make a potion. Like, I can do well here. Yeah. And he makes what he thinks is a great invigoration drop. And then promptly hands it to Snape, who drops it or lets it fall. We're unclear on exactly the details. But anyway, it drops. Yep. And breaks. Yep. And Snape's like, ah, I guess that's a zero. And Malfoy's laughing. Malfoy's laughing. Harry rushes back to his cauldron to get more, and Hermione emptied it already. Ouch. Tough break. Hermione is not endearing herself to Harry in this chapter. Not at all. Even though she's right, it's a stupid idea. Anyways, she is right. So, continuing on, continuing on. <laughs> Alright, so Harry has the career advice meeting, which he almost forgets about. Uh, it does take up some of uh, Ferenz's divination class. but He I, does forget about it. Ron has to remind him and he shows up late. Yeah, aren't you supposed to be somewhere? Oh, man. Yeah, I like right. that Ron, of all people, is reminding him. Yeah, right. You know you're in trouble. Your mind's yeah. on other things. Yeah. So he gets to McGonagall's office a couple minutes late, and he notices that Umbridge is sitting in on this meeting. Lovely. Oh, it's just great. Just great. You know who else is a fan of this? McGonagall. <laughs> um, who's seething the entire time. <laughs> She's my favorite. She is not happy. No. Um, so this meeting is to decipher what you want to do and what classes you might need to do it. And Harry decides that being in Auror is his life's ambition. <laughs> so, what does that inquire? What does that require? He needs, obviously, top grades. Stunning. Uh, she estimates that he'll need five uh, exceeds expectation newts. And she gives him four classes specifically. Defense Against the Dark Arts, Transfiguration, Charms, and Potions. My question to you, Jen, is what would the other one be? What do you think the fifth class might be? That's a really good question. My bet is herbology. See, that was what popped into my mind, but I almost want to go more... Well, first of all, do we know that it's a strict requirement? Because maybe it's just that you have to have five exceeds expectations and one of them can be a wild card. She doesn't really clarify that specifically, uh, other than the Defense Against the Dark Arts, obviously. Right. Set that one aside as a no, 
no uh, no doubt about it yeah. kind of class. That makes the most sense. You figure transfiguration, you figure charms, you figure potions, because you need to figure out antidotes, and what, even Harry was like, do I have to? Yeah. And she's like, uh, yeah. yeah. Antidotes and poisons, kind of important. A little bit. Which is why I think herbology, because for the antidotes and poisons, you need to be knowing what you're looking at and how they function to put in said potions. That's fair. My other option is care magical creatures. Those would be my top two choices. Why would care magical creatures? Because there are, as an or, you're not, I don't believe your only job is to necessarily go after criminals. You could just be deployed to handle some dangerous magical issues. And some of that might involve creatures. Okay. So you might have to have a knowledge of some particularly powerful or gifted magical creatures. I could see that. And it's not my top pick. I still think it's herbology. Yeah. But it's obviously not arithmancy because he doesn't take that. It's not ancient runes because he doesn't take that. Uh, I don't think divination would really factor into an order. We know it's not divination. We know it's not astrology. We know it's not um, muggle studies. Correct. Uh, So really we're left with Herbology and care magical creatures. See, I would have said Arithmancy could have been a contender. But I see that's what you're where... doing based on the curse breaker thing from earlier. Right, because I feel like there could be applications here as well, but that's also why where I'm wondering like maybe it's a choose your own adventure for this. Just a fifth just just get a fifth no matter yeah. what it is? Yeah. Maybe. Because maybe they also have like specialized tracks in that as well. Too. Like maybe they have someone who's, you know, the or who specializes in creatures, or the or who specializes in whatever specialties. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. I'm, I could see, I could see herbology though as being useful here. Like that seems like a, and that seems like one he could do. So she does give us some background on the classes. Um, McGonagall only accepts students that gets exceeds expectations on their OWLs. She currently has Harry as. Uh, getting through with acceptable level work. So she's like, it's doable. You just got to get your grades up. You'll be fine. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, plausible. Yeah. Uh, Snape only accepts outstanding in OWLs. High, high standards from Snape. There's zero chance. Which I got to tell you, if I'm a professor, I'm kind of setting that high bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have nothing against Snape for doing that. Yeah. I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So Snape only accepts outstanding in OWLs, which seems to shoot down Harry's dreams immediately. Yep. Uh, Charms currently accepts between acceptable and exceeds expectations. Or no, sorry. Charms, he is currently between acceptable and exceeds expectations, according to Flitwick. Yeah. So he's doing pretty well. Yeah. So charms doesn't seem to be an issue. And then defense against the dark arts, which she dismisses as well. You're, You're fine there. You're, you're good. We don't we don't have any issues there. <laughs> uh, and we'll get to the counter in a second that sparks off a whole thing. She does say that not only does he get hard marks in Defense Against the Dark Arts, he got particularly great marks uh, from Lupin. Yeah. Oh, he did seem to thrive under Lupin. Yeah. Now, the other part of the or uh, expectation is there's a series of stringent character and aptitude tests at the or's office. So we talked a, a while ago about uh, professions and about if there's extra training needed mm-hmm. post-Hogwarts schooling. This is telling us very clearly that there is. Yes. Uh, so he'll need to continue his schooling after Hogwarts if he wants to be an Orr. Wizard in grad school. Yeah. It, that's kind of interesting that uh, you'll have to go through even more and character and aptitude tests. Some of which are just seeing if you're reacting well to pressure, perseverance and dedication... Uh, high skills in practical defense, which seems obvious. Uh, she said that the extra schooling takes up to three years. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, so you get seven years of schooling from 11 to 17, which would be like for us here in the United States, it'd be like junior high through high school. Yeah. And then th- an extra three years, so you'd be like graduating a little early from college. Pretty much. <laughs> so, I mean... That seems about right. That makes sense. Yeah, actually, it doesn't seem really that bad. I was thinking, like, 
this horror training would be like grad school. <laughs> like right, yeah. Medical like more, school. Right, more akin to like you have to do extra, a extra. residency and then a fellowship. And then right. it might just be like on the job training. It's particularly difficult because no one has been taken on in three years. That's a lot of pressure. Could you imagine like trying to apply for a job that hasn't even taken anyone in three years? No. It's crazy. So crazy, in fact, that Umbridge is like, uh, can he do that? I'm not sure. <laughs> and she calls him out on his temperament, mm-hmm. which honestly is a little fair. Uh, especially, especially lately. Especially the Harry she knows. Yeah. That's a fair yeah. uh, mark against him, I think. Yeah. But then her little pink note uh, regards Harry's defense against the dark arts grades for her class. Which are not great. And McGonagall comes with the biggest snapback comment ever. Love it. Of, well, he has received high marks in all Defense Against the Dark Arts tests set by a competent teacher. Those are fighting words. Woo! She's throwing down. She in just front lit of off Umbridge. a whole thing. Yep. Oh, and she does not care. I think she was waiting for a moment to come back. Well, Umbridge has been interrupting her multiple times throughout this, each time coughing louder and louder. <laughs> And I think McGonagall, she's you know, just done. I think next time we're hanging out in a group of people mm-hmm. and you're talking, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to try this approach of just the most minimal cough ever and then see where it, you finally get interrupted. I'm going to try it. Why? Because it's fun. Because <laughs> it's you, Jen. Come on. <sighs> uh, <laughs> I, I might try this approach. Um, so... Umbridge officially says, Potter has no chance of becoming an Auror. And then McGonagall comes back again with just an epic quote. I will assist you to become an Auror if it is the last thing I do. If I have to coach you nightly, I will make sure you achieve the required results. She really went all in on that. She really did. This is why I don't get why Harry doesn't go to McGonagall more often. She is so fervently in his corner. Yes. And I get she's not the most warm individual, But she is wholeheartedly in his corner. She's offered him biscuits before. I was going to say a position on the Quidditch team. I mean that too. Biscuits too. Biscuits Biscuits too. She is, she, she's very, she's not very emotional. I think she's very kind of cold, but she She obviously deeply cares about Harry. And I, and she's competent too. I don't understand why you won't go to her. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But McGonagall says, the career advice meeting is ended. Please leave. And then he promptly gets up, gets to the door, and hears them continuing their argument for several steps more. I love it. Oh, oh, Jen, did you forget, by the way? Did you forget that (laughs) Harry is still planning on breaking into Umbridge's office? I like how... His thought after this is like, I'd really hate to get caught because McGonagall really just went to bat for me. He had the correct thought immediately followed by the dumb thought. Yep. Like, she just went. Yep. You you said it, to bat. She just went to town for you. Went to war for you. And now you're like, yeah, I'm going to undo all that. Harry, in this book, and, and I don't understand it. And I know that it's supposed to be a, a teenager thing, but like I didn't have a particularly rebellious time in in my <laughs> teenage years, so like I don't really get it. But like everything people that he should respect have said to him, this book he ignores. Yep. And I I just it's so frustrating. Yeah, I will let you into my psyche here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I truthfully actually did forget what his plan was because I was so enthralled by the actual career advice meeting and the details. I'm a nerd. So I got involved in the whole like, oh, he needs five exceeds expectations in these classes. And like, I got involved in that. It was neat though. And then the argument happens and I'm like, ooh, McGonagall versus Umbridge. This is awesome. And then literally it comes back to, oh, uh, we got to like plan out how to get into Umbridge's office. I forgot how stupid this whole thing is. And then I got immediately angry again. Uh, Harry does choose to follow through with the plan. The twins create quite a distraction, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but he ends up getting into the flute powder, gets to Grimwall Place, uh, just his head floating there. 
And Sirius and Lupin are in Grimmauld Place, which, no, oh, this is great. Two for one. This yeah. is awesome. They fondly reminisce yeah. <laughs> about their school days. Uh, they do admit, however, look, we were childish and we were dumb. Like, that was not our best moments. And there is a level of regret there that they weren't better. I love that Harry's describing the scene and one of them is like, was he playing with the snitch? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, guys, like, let's focus. That's not, focus. yeah, come on. Uh, they urge him not to judge the actions of teenagers too harshly. And again, going back to a little bit of our conversation in Snape's worst memory, I'm like, I understand teenagers do dumb things yeah. that you regret. We've all been there. Yeah. We've all done things we regret in our teenage years. Yes. I hope and I pray that I did not bully someone yeah. to the point where they were really struggling yeah. and hate me to this day. Yeah. That my actions didn't cause someone to literally hate me for years. Like, I'm sorry. That's aggressive. Yes. And I don't know to this day if Sirius or Lupin had ever actually talked to Snape and was like, hey, look, I I'm sorry. Things did not... I, I know... Look, let's be real for a second. Sirius definitely has not. Lupin, maybe. When they, when they were teaching together and, you know, Snape was making the potion for him, maybe they had conversations about, like, hey, yeah. we're better now than we were then. Let's just be adults and move forward. I'm not who I was when I was 15. Whatever. Snape seems to sometimes tolerate Lupin. Yeah. Same cannot be said for Sirius. He mistrusts Lupin. He seems to, though, respect him a little bit. There's something there. Because he respects him, or maybe he sees him as a more mature adult who he at least values his intelligence. I don't think he ever viewed James and Sirius as being particularly smart, even though they were. Yeah. I don't... He just views Lupin on a different plane. I, you get the impression that he hasn't forgiven Lupin. He still doesn't like Lupin, but he doesn't hate Lupin. Like, yes. he's willing to give him, like, professional courtesy. Yeah. Serious, I think if he could, he'd just punch. To be fair, though, part of that is how Lupin treats Snape, too. Lupin yeah. treats Snape with yeah. an air of, like, hey, you're smart, you're a talented guy, you do your job very, very well. Yeah. Kudos to you. Serious, as we've seen, does not give... No. Snape. Sirius dives right back into that 15-year-old child where he's throwing mud at a kid. I want to shake both of them. I know this is a total tangent, but whenever they have scenes together, I just want to shake both of them and just be like, stop escalating this, because it doesn't have to always turn into, like, you both reverting to 15. Like, just be adults. Get over it. Not get over it, but... I mean, you kind of get what you give. It's, it's a little, yeah. like... I think that's why you see different interactions between Lupin and Snape and Sirius and Snape. Yeah, it's like one treats sense. the other with respect and then gets respect in return. The other one doesn't. doesn't. Uh, I mean, it's honestly that simple. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do find out that James and Lily started dating in their seventh year. So the scene we had was in their fifth year, the end of their fifth year. Lily, not a fan. Not a fan of James. And Harry literally asked the question, um... How did they get together? How did they get married if she seemed to hate him that much? And they tell him that, look, James did mature. He, he did get a little bit wiser, a little bit better than he was, because, you know, you grow up. Um, so there was change. I want to know why Harry had the thought that I wonder if James forced her to marry him. Because that's such an intense thought thought to extrapolate from a single situation. Yeah. He's seen other photos. Yeah, I don't know if he's assuming like a Lockhart thing where he like altered her memory. Okay. To maybe like give him a more favorable advantage. Okay. Or something like that. I don't know what he's really like banking on or a love okay. potion or something like that yeah. that he made of like slipped her. It's just an interesting like 
path to go down. It's I a dark thought. path to go it's down. It's a very dark path. Um, and that's a leap. Yep. <laughs> but they reassure him, like, no, it's legit. They actually really did yeah. like and love each other. It's just, you know, uh, people grow and they get better. And yeah. yes, James continued to bully Snape, but it was, and I think they like the line that was like, uh, it's not like James took Snape on their dates and bullied him in front of her. I love that line. It was just like, okay, that's fair. Also, yeah. as much as James did change, he also did not. Yeah. He was still kind of that guy. And it goes back to, I think, James and Sirius's relationship, where I think James probably was better about it when he wasn't around Sirius. I'm sure. And then when they were together, it was just trouble. Yeah. They but, play off of each other. Um, that being said, uh, speaking of the relationship between Sirius, Lupin, and Snape, which you think is just filled with animosity, when they find out that Snape has stopped giving Occlumency lessons, yes. they flip out. They are livid. Re- understandably so. Dumbledore said that this was the most important thing. Here's my issue. Mm-hmm. Their reaction is warranted. Granted. Yes. Harry's sitting there like, what, it's fine. It's totally fine. Like, <laughs> like I didn't like those lessons anyway. It wasn't going well, blah, 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 blah. And he cannot for the life of him. He's such an idiot. He cannot for the life of him understand why they are so livid. I don't understand what he can't understand about the situation. I... Like, these people that he trusts are telling him, you need to do this thing. You have one job. You have one job. One job. It's not right one now. person telling him this. It's multiple people telling him this. Why are you not taking it seriously? We had a comment before about, like, the reason Harry doesn't accept help from adults is because he grew up with the Dursleys, so he never assumed that adults would help him. And and while that's a fair psychological breakdown of why Harry makes some of the decisions that he does, mm-hmm. like seeking out help. Well, for example, we just mentioned McGonagall. Yep. Why he wouldn't go to McGonagall is yep. because of that history. Okay, I could buy that. Here you have Sirius and Lupin. Yep. And, and I get the Dumbledore thing, too, because Dumbledore hasn't even looked at him all year. Right. So I get Dumbledore might be, like, shove off because of that Dursley background history. Yeah. Check and check. Got yep. me there. Lupin and Sirius. I completely agree. Are as close to actual real family as he probably had, other than, I guess, Petunia. But still. Yeah. Um, he views Sirius as family. Yes. And he is very close with Lupin. Yeah. He cares about their opinion. And he goes to them for advice. Lupin in his third year, Sirius, as often as he can get. He's doing this insanely dumb thing right this second. To get advice from Sirius. Yes. And they give him his advice, which is, this is important. Go do this. Yes. Take this seriously. And what does he do? He's like, well, this isn't really, like, that important, and uh, I'm not doing well, blah, 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 excuse. They're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Do this. Yeah. So, I, like, while that Dursley argument holds water with some adults... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's not holding water here. No, I don't think it works for this scenario. I don't understand why he's confused. That, Like, I, I can understand the perspective that, okay, he's mad at Dumbledore, so he doesn't want to listen to him. I think that's... On the one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I think it's a little bit of a stretch because he's kind of shown to have a pretty good relationship with Dumbledore in the previous books. So, like, I get being mad at him for this book, but not to the point... He took time as he was fleeing... To yes. look him in the eye and go, right. you need to do this. No, right. And, like, because, like, if I'm in his position and just because this person has been ignoring me doesn't mean that I suddenly think that person's not smart. And he thinks that Dumbledore is smart. Like, yeah. he knows that Dumbledore is on top of things. If a smart on top of things person told me in their last moments at Hogwarts, you need to do this thing, I would be doing that thing. This might be one of Harry's worst chapters. Yes. Like, just from uh, doing the dumbest thing that you could have possibly chosen to do, mm-hmm. and then ignore the advice of the people who you did that stupid thing for yes. to talk to, and then just ignore what they have to... T- do you remember uh, on previous podcasts when we have talked about this book, and I have said, the main thing that frustrates me about this book is the fact that he doesn't 
listen to anyone. This is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, this chapter is the epitome of it. He's got... This chapter and the last chapter are just two examples of, if given a choice, he'll make the wrong decision. Willfully. Like, he acknowledges that these things are stupid ideas and dangerous ideas or that he should be doing this or that he shouldn't be doing this and then he'll go ahead and he'll do it. I know we're hard on Harry. Sometimes. <laughs> I know that. If you think any of these decisions Harry has made here are good, please let us know on Twitter and Instagram. Comment comment on the Spotify episode. Let us know, and please provide your reasoning, because I would love to hear it, and I would share it on this podcast. Yes. And talk with whichever guest I have on at that point, and we'll break it down. Um, I would love to hear something in his defense. For the, At least for this specific chapter, because yeah. this was a bold risk yes. that had everything that can go wrong. And it was really just to find out if your dad was a jerk. Yep. And then it comes back as like, whoa, you're not doing occlumency lessons? That can't happen. Go talk to Snape right now. Yep. And he's like, eh, I kind of don't want to. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. I want to hear from you guys. If you guys think we're a little hard on Harry here, please give us the defense. It gets interrupted because Harry hears some, some things going on in the background, and it's not a grim old place, so it must be where he is. So he pulls himself out of the fire, puts himself under the invisibility cloak, which at least he was smart enough to bring that along. <laughs> and Filch comes into the office, and he's rifling through papers, looking for uh, approval to torture students. Because remember, we heard the rumors that he was yes. trying to get those approvals. And he's rifling through Umbridge's actual personal papers to see if it actually came through. I'm surprised that she was okay with that. And then he seems to find a paper that he likes. Yep. And storms off. And Harry decides, this is my cue, I should leave too. So he leaves. And we learn that Fred and George turned an entire corridor into a swamp. They're very smart wizards. Via their portable swamp advert. This is basically, they're smart for so many reasons. They're smart for actually doing the magic to make this all happen. Yeah. They're brilliant because this is essentially just a massive advertisement oh, yeah. for their stuff. Their marketing is top tier. Oh, it's so next level. Yep. Um, so they're advertising like, hey, if you want to create your own portable swamp, come to Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes at number 29, Diagon Alley. And then while that's all going on, did he really get approval for torture and whipping? It sounds like is that, it. Is that, is that what's referenced here? That feels a bit wrong. He got approval. From the Ministry of Magic to torture and whip students. I think he mentions, like, hanging them by shackles. What is going on? Who approved this? Is, it, is this just a fudge thing? Or is it, like, what? How does that get approved? Things have gone a little off the rails. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I can't even put into words how ridiculous that, that is nuts. Um, but anyway, so Fred and George have their whole uh, spiel about, like, you know what? We're good. We've done what we need to do here. And they're about to take off on their broomsticks, which they... Uh, which I feel like this is just shoddy spell work on Umbridge's part, that they can be just summoned by Akio. I agree. I expected more. I, yeah. I mean, she could do better. Um, but they just literally do Akio, and the brooms come whipping through. And as they're about to leave, uh, they shout out to Peeves like, hey. Give her a heck for us, yeah, Peeves. Yeah, give her some problems for us. Yeah. And Peeves gives him a little salute. I think that's cute. It's a wonderful moment. It's a, it's a, uh, they respect each other. Harry notes that he's not sure that Peeves has ever taken orders from a student before. Yep. Until, until just now, which. It feels appropriate. Yeah, and that's how we end the chapter with uh, Fred and George exit from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. It's a very bittersweet ending. Because it is. there's so much fun to have around. There's such great comic relief. But also, this chapter for me is probably is one of my favorites out of this book. Largely because it's the most cathartic chapter. I feel. It's got McGonagall facing off against Umbridge. 
And then the Weasley twins heading out on a high note and sticking it to Umbridge. And it offsets some of the frustration for Harry's uh, misdeeds in this chapter. But it just, it feels like, okay, there are still some... That's right. There's still some pushback here. You did say this was one of your favorite chapters in this book. If not your favorite chapter. I'm putting words in your mouth there. But... Um, so you do think the good things for you offset some of the more frustrating bits? I think there were just so many chapters before this where it felt like it was just all Umbridge getting her way. That to have multiple events in a single chapter where she's getting stymied at different ends and people are, are expressing their frustration and pushing back a little bit, it did feel very cathartic to me. So I, I did feel like it, it outweighed it outweighed all of Harry's uh, uh, misdeeds in this chapter. All of his uh, all of his stubbornness. I feel like we shouldn't skip over the fact that Filch has approval to torture people now. Yeah, I mean it's not great. Feels like there should be some laws against that. What is going on? In that's this a little. That's off the rails. That's very. Um, Side note. That's if, not great. If Dumbledore ever comes back. <laughs> to this school and finds out that Filch has been abusing students. Do you think he's going to be thrilled about that? I don't understand a lot of Dumbledore's staffing decisions. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you, you got me there. <laughs> no, anything else from this chapter that you kind of want to dwell on, cut back to? I think I'm when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good. Cool. All right. Well, we will end it there, and we will be right back. We are back with a spoiler section for Chapter 29, Career Advice. So I think one of the interesting things about us doing all of these recaps, uh, rereads and recaps together is that uh, it feels like I've started to notice a little bit of a pattern of it feels like there's a chapter that will build up to an event, a chapter with the actual event that usually has a lot of packed symbolism or um, foreshadowing in it or references to previous things. There's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of nuance, things like that. And then there's typically a chapter that'll be kind of the descending Mm -hmm. part of that where it'll be wrapping up and drawing conclusions and moving the story along a little bit. And I think it's been really interesting to see that because it feels like a lot of times when we're doing this because we do them in kind of couplets that you'll get a chapter that has a lot of action, but you'll also get either the chapter leading up to it or the chapter that's coming down from it. So this chapter to me felt very much like it was in that coming down from it phase um, because there were a lot of things that happened in this chapter. This was kind of a more exciting coming down chapter, but um, it kind of starts to wrap things up. It kind of it uh, wraps up Harry's preoccupation with Snape's memory uh, we get a little bit of closure from that, from like Lupin and from Sirius. We get some closure on Fred and George and where their um, where their arc was going with the fireworks and the disruption and things like that. And that has a, a big culmination to it. Um, we get a little bit more of an insight into the conflict between Umbridge and McGonagall, and that's a little bit more of a you know longer arc, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does feel like now when we end this, we can we can move into, okay, what's the next thing that is going to happen to Harry or that he's going to come across? I like that. I, I love your point about the closure of a couple of other plot points happening. Uh, I, that's a really good catch on, on your part. Thanks. Um, I also agree, uh, and we have kind of mentioned it before, about the roller coaster, the ups and downs of the chapters, chapter to chapter. Yeah. But I do view some of it in a slightly different way. Uh, I guess book as a whole, not necessarily chapter to chapter. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a roller coaster, except it's building, 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 building. And then all of a sudden there's a drop off and you're hurling, speeding towards the, the finale. And it's just like action, 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 action. Yeah. And we might not be 100% there, but if we're not 
hurtling down a cliff at this point, <laughs> we're starting to dip. We're we're on the descent. We're now. on the descent now mm-hmm. because that's kind of what I was thinking about reading these two chapters that I've done with you is Snape's worst memory and this there is a lot of action and character interaction that's more on the explosive end mm-hmm. back to back and we're, we are in the last third of this book we're closing in this is chapter 29 I think there's only like 30 37 38 chapters in this book so we're getting towards the end so yep. it's about that point where stuff is about to happen yeah and it's gonna come fast I think of like the book as a whole of like Ascending, 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 and then all of a sudden you go downhill, and there is no stopping. Yeah. Like you're flipped, you're turning pages because you can't stop reading because it's that compelling. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like within that big mechanism, if you look smaller, yeah, you usually get the little oscillations between peaks and valleys of chapters. Yeah. Um, and you summed up this chapter really well with the the closure of the twins and the closure of the Snape's memory thing. I thought that was a good catch. So thank you. We're at that point now where this book gets really good. I really, for as much as I dislike the first, we'll say, two-thirds of the book, <laughs> I really like the last third. There's some really cool stuff. There, so. it's, I love the the ending to this is very... It's just it's interesting because it's different. It's and emotional you just get to see so many on things. so many different levels. Yeah. So... And I feel like it's the first time in the series where you really start to... Like, I think one of the things that she does really well with this book is this book feels like the turning point in terms of, like, it opens up a lot of nuance into a lot of the characters and a lot of backstory, and it actually starts to fill in now. It starts to treat you, the reader, as more mature and more willing to understand it and, and because we're the reflection of Harry, and Harry is now being given a little bit more insight into things. And the very ending where he's talking with Dumbledore, and Dumbledore actually starts to fill him in on, like, why was he ignoring him, and, and a little bit of... I know he doesn't give him all of the details, but that aspect of this book I really like, and then I really like in Six, where where they're actually, like, working together. It's, it's interesting, because I agree. Everybody points to this book as, like, the, the book where it gets dark. Like, it starts to get, like, really dark with a couple mm-hmm. of characters. And I think doing this podcast, we would, you know, I, some people would point to book four with the Triwizard Tournament being aggressive and obviously the graveyard scene. Some people would point to book three and Sirius Black and Wormtail and you get all that backstory. And But doing this podcast, we realize that there are some dark moments in even book one and book two when they reference some things that are like, whoa, that's... Yeah. That's dark, or that's aggressive, or that's very adult for an 11 or 12-year-old kid. You said it with, we're not just getting it with Harry now. We're getting it with multiple characters, depth, yeah, and their decision-making process, and where they're at in this story, and it's interesting to see. Yeah, I love that about this book, but then how it continues to drive through the rest of the series. I, I can... With you saying that now, I can see why you like Half-Blood Prince so much. Yes. That makes more sense now. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I have a potentially um, hot take question for you. All right. So we spent the whole, mo- not the whole, we spent most of this episode talking about career advice and the career that Harry wants to pursue. When you weren't dunking on Harry. When I wasn't on him for his profound stupidity in this specific chapter, yes. Which, for the record, do you think Kingsley would have ever been like, you know what I should do? Ignore this obvious mirror that Sirius gave me to communicate face-to-face and just go break into my sworn enemy's office, risking everything that Dumbledore and McGonagall... And heck, even Snape is putting on the line for me and do this all because my dad's kind of mean to one of my teachers back in the day. Like, Kingsley would never. I'm sorry. He just wouldn't. Dollish probably even wouldn't. Like, what are we talking about? Sorry. You're not going to get me on another Dan Rand, even though I just kind of went on one. (laughs) The reason I bring up two oars... Uh, shoot. Moody, too? Do you think Moody would have done that? <laughs> Tonks? 
Come on. Okay. Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> ores. Deep breaths. We're talking about ores because my question involves ores. Makes sense. Does do you think Harry, with all of this, so literally, they have to go through three extra years of training on top of their elite newt grades? Yes. To, and you might not even be chosen even then because they haven't accepted someone in three years. I think that's just mean. So, all of that aside, yes. Do you think Harry deserves to be an or? At the end of this book. And I'm going to give a little bit more context. Because people probably scream at me like, what are you talking about? Um, I, in the conversation I had with Zach from Belated Binge uh, several chapters ago, we talked about how it's a little... We both had expectations for Harry coming through this series. Of like him progressing his magical ability. And we both wanted him at the end of Deathly Hallows to be able to stand toe-to-toe with Voldy on his own merits. Like just... Him and Voldy magically going toe for toe. Okay. Wand for wand, whatever you want to call it. Like, we see in that final scene, sorry for the spoiler spoilers, but we see in that final scene, like, Kingsley and McGonagall and Slughorn are all going, like, wand for wand with with Voldy. And they're, like, sparring, right? Mm. And we want Harry so badly to get to that level of magic by the end of the series. And quite frankly... Both him and I were entering the Deathly Hallows book, being like, I don't think Harry can win this. <laughs> like, Voldy is really strong. Mm-hmm. Snape is really strong, and Snape just obliterated Harry at the end of Half-Blood Prince. If he can't beat Snape, how in the world is he going to beat Voldy? And, you know, we get some of these moments. We get, obviously, Harry's able to survive the Triwizard Tournament. Granted, he got a ton of help. He teaches the DA, which allows him to progress his own magical ability while teaching others to defend themselves. So Mm -hmm. he does elevate his own ability through teaching the DA. I recognize that. But Occlumency might be one of those options where he suddenly becomes a really formidable wizard against Voldy because this is an uncommon skill. He can deploy it against Voldy. Like, this this could be good. And he's obviously butchering this. He's not doing well here. No. So, with all the profound skills that need to be had, because we're talking more than just defense against the Dark Arts. We're talking transfiguration and charm. Yeah. And all of this. Is Harry deserving of getting that aura gig after the events of Deathly Hallows? After the events of Deathly Hallows. Yes. Yes. Okay. And the reason that I would say it is that he has been able to do work above his grade in previous books. Okay. And I think that he's got a lot of practical life experience that would help him. So he he's not going to be a book smart or unless he goes back to Hogwarts and finishes his seventh year because he is missing like that the level education, of education. Part of, like the book right. level, yeah. So I think it would have to be with the asterisk of like he would have to fill in some of those gaps. I think this is something where I could reasonably see them saying, okay, you can skip ahead from like c- counting this towards all of the, the stringent character and aptitude tests essentially and saying you know either complete the last year or do other equivalent things or forget it we'll just teach you on the job we're just going to give you a pass for all of the character and aptitude tests and yeah teach you the rest as we go i think that he's had more than enough life experience and he's shown enough that he has promise in all of those other areas to be able to make up whatever deficits he has from not going to hogwarts or seventh year okay so, I, I know I pose the hot take question. It does come down to what do you value most? Do you think his real-world experience has outweighed the academic side of it that he needs? I think he does, but I think it's worth asking the question. Oh, no, no, for sure. <laughs> like, it is absolutely worth asking the question. I, I, I think, you know, it, everybody wants Harry Potter to be the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah, I wish that that was one of the things that she had done. 
Like, I wish that she had found a way to make it make some sense that he became a teacher instead of an or. Like, Harry Potter chooses to live the calm life instead of, you know, going out into the field and putting himself in danger all the time. Putting himself like, in the spotlight, too. Learning from all of, you know, he's he's had enough of that. He wants to be calm. And then, like, you know, other things, too, with, like, I wish that Malfoy had turned back. Like, I wish that there had been... She had just made these little tweaks to some of the characters because it would have vastly changed the interpretation of them. Can I ask you a fun what if? Sure. If Harry goes... So we know Neville went back and taught. Yes. He ended up teaching Herbology. I wish he had become the Auror. Neville had become the Auror. Oh, so you want Neville to become the Auror and Harry to become the teacher. Yeah. Interesting. It would be growth on both of their parts. Interesting. Harry would learn how to calm down. And, and he could be happy that he was out of the spotlight, but he could still... He seemed to really enjoy teaching, like you said. I think he would make a good teacher. Neville finally gains this confidence to put himself in these positions that he's always naturally okay. kind of skewed away from. Interesting. I like that. That was not where I was going with it, but I kind of like the tangent. Thank you. If Harry also went back and taught Defense Against the Dark Arts, yeah. here's my what if. They both teach at Hogwarts. Yep. Who has the fast track to become the next headmaster? This is a great question. <laughs> I love this question so much. That's hard. We never get that far down the history of what happens. I like think McGonagall, I think, becomes a headmistress. She does. And then I don't know after that, honestly. I would like to see it be Neville, but it would feel... See, I just don't know that that's in his character, that's in Harry's character. But if it would feel more satisfying if he was it, but would it make sense for him? I don't know. Do you think he'd want that? That's the thing. I don't think he would. Neville, I think, would accept it more. Yeah. I think Neville would probably be better at it. Yeah. I would agree on both counts. But isn't it but fun to imagine Harry as a headmaster of Hogwarts? <laughs> so, like, it's just a fun thing to imagine. It's also funny to imagine him as a professor where his, like, cohort is, or, or his classmate is his boss. Another, yeah, that, that would be an, yeah. Neville gets the boss around Harry. Yeah. That'd be an interesting one. Gets to hold it over his head all of the times that he dragged him Even better question. Yeah. Maybe not a better question, but an equally as good question. Yes. If you have Neville and Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. both teaching at Hogwarts at the same time, who's the head of Gryffindor House? Oh. See, that's where I feel like you have... Okay, so you have to make Neville <laughs> the headmaster so Harry can be in charge of Gryffindor. Oh, okay. That's, so now he's plucking kids out of like the flying class to be like, nope, you're now on the... Absolutely. <laughs> like, he's he a can, scout for the Quidditch he team? He can coach Quidditch or be the whatever for Quidditch mm -hmm. help with Quidditch. He, he literally takes McGonagall's role as yes. like an uber Quidditch fan as the head of house? Absolutely. Okay. I All would right. love that. So you give Neville the, the big promotion to give Harry yes. the wow that's a powerhouse Gryffindor duo right there. That would be a great time to go to Hogwarts. That would be a good time to go to Hogwarts. Can you imagine if it's like once Neville would then pass away you have his portrait up in the in the headmaster office and Aww. just getting to give like advice. Like I, I don't know. I, that would be so cute. Or Harry, I, like if you flip that and Harry's just giving advice and it's just like the Minister of Magic and you can get him being that old guy going like, back in my day, the Minister of Magic was an idiot, yeah. <laughs> like just spouting stuff from his portrait. Oh. oh, good things to imagine. See, we're ending on a fun light note it after is. all of the Harry's an idiot, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, do you have anything else to kind of go over? Honestly, I think that was it. I liked those what-if questions. Those were fun. Those were fun ones, right? Yeah. yeah, I just came up with those. Yeah. Well, let us know what you guys think on all of the random what-if questions we had. If you have defenses for Harry in this chapter, by all means, please send it to us either via Twitter comment, Instagram comment, or a Spotify comment that we can see, read, leave us a voice message you can hit that link wherever you get this podcast to leave us a voice message give us your two cents on hey i think you guys are being a little harsh on harry here's why uh and you might end up on this podcast so we can actually react to your thoughts also send us your what ifs 
If you, there are any what ifs that you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, if you have a fun alternate reality what if question or anything regarding Harry Potter, please send those to us as well and we will debate them. We will absolutely debate them fiercely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let us know what you guys think. Thank you for listening. Please share the podcast. That helps us grow. We also have a donations link as well because this is a lot of time and energy put in. Um, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> so uh, thank you for supporting the podcast, either by listening, donating, or sharing. And we will see you next week for another chapter as this book gets dwindling down towards the end. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts, a podcast.